Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Shoxies podcast. Today, I have another special guest, Alex. How are you doing? Hi. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm great. I'm just excited to be talking to you. I've been a huge fan of listening to your podcast for a long time, and this is just really exciting for me. <laughs> Thank you. I'm, I'm very happy to be on. Sweet. Uh, oh, yes. And for anybody who doesn't know, I haven't mentioned, uh, this is Alex from the Pioneer Perspective. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I think uh, yeah. a while ago you had Brad on, who's uh, my yeah. co-host on the uh, Binary Perspective, and uh, now it, now you get me. Yeah, eventually I'm going to get all the podcast uh, people on, and then I'll have the best podcast because by association you have, you have all the podcasts. <laughs> exactly. I mean, on, honestly, like uh, I listen to like uh, not as as many, but picking it up again. But I used to listen to a lot of podcasts when I went to the gym and stuff. But then they obviously mm. closed for a long time. Yeah. Uh, I feel like a lot of the Pioneer podcasts I listen to. Like, there's a lot of, like, for, like, a smaller format, there's, like, really high-quality, like, things you can listen to. are very different, too. Like, I think Crew 3 is very good. Uh, the Dive Down's very good, especially. Like, they have Pioneer sections on it sometimes. Mm. Obviously, MTG Rand started as mm. the Pioneer podcast. Like, really, like, high-quality Pioneer content, which is... Faithless Brewing, I think, is really good, too. Yeah, Faithless Brewing's really good, too. Uh, yeah, I... I, um, what's the other... I was really bad that their name skips me. I think is it just MTG Pioneer? Like they have these like uh, deep dives. First ones pioneers, like, first pioneers. I think yeah, they had like yeah. the deep dive on Demir Control, and that's like mm-hmm. just one of my favorite podcasts to listen to, like ever. So yeah. very good stuff. Yeah, Pioneer content is great. I it just ha- I'm just recorded a recent episode with Servo Telkun talking about how to get into Pioneer content, making content. So that's gonna be fun. To I haven't edited it yet, but. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, uh, so today we have a, a pretty fun topic, off-meta decks, which you suggested and I loved. How do you say uh, classify an off-meta deck? Um, I think an off-meta deck, um, I think the easiest way to define it is that when you're playing it, your opponent has to pick up a lot of your cards. <laughs> like, I, I think that's, and not to like, read if they get to keep their card if they keep your Skyclave Apparition on the stack, but mm-hmm. you just play a card and you just get like a what from across, and your opponent has to has to pick it up and read. It's my favorite thing. It's why I like to play decks oh, like this. Yeah, same. It, it's the best. Like, uh, there's one card that I always play that nobody ever knows. What is it called? Freaking uh, Concealing Curtains? Like, no one knows what that card does. Oh, that card's super cool. It's like I this, know. that weird, like, Thought Not Seer type of card. I know, and every time I do it, they're like, uh, okay, it's just a 4 that's weird, and then it flips, and it, what? what? Thought sees, but I draw a card. I don't know what this does. I had a, a funny one immediately, you know. I mean, you have uh-huh. Brad on, so you know the Pioneer Perspective specialties to go uh, on rants. Mm-hmm. But uh, I remember playing in a GP in Brussels in um, Rivals of Excellence Standard, I think, and I had um, Nicol Bolas God Pharaoh in my deck who's mm-hmm. seven mana planeswalker and one of his modes is minus four deal seven to any target oh, so yeah. you know that's it sometimes it's just a seven mana lava x to your opponent's face <laughs> and i remember i played against band control and mm-hmm. in game one um we're going back and forth i'm hitting him with a gearhawk every once in a while and he's on seven and at one point mm-hmm. i like have my hand and it's just like nothing in bolas i was like fuck it i just dropped the bolas into a like untapped blue white opponent he mm-hmm. didn't have to counter i dome him for seven uh, game over. Second game, he has a he's on seven again. 
he has a Teferi. Uh, he's trying to resolve a Teferi, and we're fighting back and mm-hmm. forth with counters. And he very clearly has negate mana left, and he suddenly like stops and thinks because I'm at <laughs> six lands, and he's yeah. like, "Oh, but I remember how I died in game one." And he look and he asks me like, "How much mana has Nicobolus?" And I just like, sort of like very like resolutely answer seven. Okay, cool. And then he lets his Teferi get countered. Like my hand was empty, but <laughs> it was just like three lands and like like a removal spell that I couldn't board out. It's just just getting people with weird cards. It's just the best feeling. Oh yeah, yeah. And that nickel boss is like the scariest thing ever to resolve. <laughs> oh, that card is awesome. Like it, it's way too bad for Pioneer. I tried it. Yeah. Seven mana planeswalkers that get mystical dispute. It just don't work. But... Yeah, but if it ever does resolve, like I've never seen a game get lost when it resolves. No, I don't think I've ever lost a game with that card on the battlefield. Yeah, that's um, great. But to have a little bit more of a like definition to like mm-hmm. what an off mana deck is, um, obviously you go to the Goldfish website and it's not there. Um, mm-hmm. Then it's probably off mana. But I think it's just that that it that it uses like like a card or a synergy that, or it can even like use an existing card in like a weird way mm-hmm. that just like hasn't really been explored. So generally, I, I'd probably call it more underexplored decks because sometimes mm-hmm. weird off-meta decks suddenly become meta decks because it turns out they're good. Yeah, um, it's very true. Yeah, and I and I think it and I think that underexplored factor is important because sometimes people will only think a meta is a deck is like off-meta if it's low meta share. Like mm-hmm. I've heard some people call Lotus Field an off-meta deck, <laughs> uh, and I wouldn't call that an off-meta deck. Like it's I just not either. played very often because people don't like playing combo. But that is like yeah. very much a deck that's on people's radar. It's just not played very often because people don't like control, uh, don't like combo. Yeah. Oh, that makes total sense. So, uh, why would anybody play an off-meta deck? Is the real question. Like, so it makes your opponent read cards, but like, is there any other inherent benefits other than slowing the game down? I mean, <laughs> <Would> you say? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it does slow the game down. Um, I just, I, I think for in a way, like there is definitely a part where like an off-meta deck can catch people off guard, mm-hmm. and uh, I think this generally works for very proactive decks. Mm-hmm. So, for example, um, if you play like Pummeler, right? Mm-hmm. Like Pummeler is a very off-meta deck. You yeah. just play this random free drop, and if your opponent doesn't kill them, you and tap them, you kill them, mm-hmm. right? And sometimes you can look at a certain meta, and you'll be like, "Oh, everybody's on like, um, like, for example, uh, a card that would destroy colored creatures, right?" There's, mm-hmm. there's a, I think there's a black removal spell that says like destroy a monocolored creature, and if oh, you yeah, see a meta. Pretty- rtr or something yeah and you see like a lot of fatal pushes that are hard to revolt and Mm -hmm. a lot of that removal spell then you could actually have like volume and like hey this this really like sneaks in in a weird uh like niche situation and that's where off meta can be really cool yeah that that Um, totally makes sense i think the main part is just like i want to Mm -hmm. so i see a cool card i see a cool strategy or like a combination of cards and you're like oh this is just really cool right oh mm. i want to um for example when um zendikar rising came out we got that card that is like five mana your opponent mills half their library oh if yeah you have um, praying sanity and you cast that card you mill your opponent out in one turn mm-hmm. and, it, and you're it like had... yeah the oh. mill eight two mana mill eight yeah. kicker, i was just mill trying to remember what the other mode did because 
We also have the other card that was uh, traumatized. It's five mana and it just mills your opponent's half your opponent's library. But yeah, that card's just better. Yeah, I, but I think traumatized isn't. Is traumatized pioneer legal? I don't think um, it is. Yeah, I think it is. It was M14. I remember because my brother, he oh. we only started an M14. And so uh, he had a, uh, it was a, a consuming aberration deck. And it, if he got traumatizing consuming aberration, it would be like a 30-30 and I'd just lose. <laughs> oh, yeah. I see, no, <laughs> it's M14. So, so we we did already have that. But even then, right? Let's see. Yeah. You just look at traumatize. But yeah, right? it's just strictly better. Yeah. The other one. But you just look at traumatize, you look at another card and you're like, I, I see an idea for a cool deck here. Mm-hmm. And you just want to play that. Mm-hmm. And then I think it's a lot of fun, and that's why I wanted to talk about this. I think it's going to be very fun to take like that idea that you like, because at the end of the day, most people play Magic for fun. Mm-hmm. So if there's a card that is really cool that you think you really like, it can be super demoralizing if people are like, yeah, but it's bad. Oh, yeah. And you're like, especially like for like, I think how to make jank decks good is actually something a little for more experienced players because mm-hmm. you're gonna have to have an eye for this type of thing. Like, I'll I have like some steps written down, and one of them basically just relies on you being able to look at a card and determining whether or not that card is trash or not. Oh yeah, which new players suck at, obviously because yeah. they're new. But mm-hmm. I hated it when I was playing at my LGS, and like a new player would show up and they would have like. Uh, I think, like, in Standard at the time, like, Merfolk was, like, really bad. Like, mm-hmm. it got Kumena, but it, it never became a good deck. Oh, yeah. And there was it a, never, never is. Everybody yeah. wants it to be good, but it never <laughs> <Yeah>. can be. <laughs> there is... Um, that's almost, like, one of the, like, an asterisk to this list, like, how to make off-mana stuff good. Merfolk's not good. I've tried it. <laughs> um, but there was this kid. It was, I think it was, like, 11 or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he came with LGS and he picked up Magic for the first time and he really liked the Merfolk cards. Mm-hmm. And then just like so, hear some people tell him, like, yeah, but Merfolk suck. And mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, but this this kid just wants to play the, the cool cards. Mm-hmm. So I helped him make a reasonable Merfolk deck in standard. And I... sometimes, like, I remember one thing because at my LGS, um, I mean, it's also because the level of my LGS wasn't too high. There were like five or six players, including me, that were pretty good at the game, and the rest mm-hmm. was not very good at the game, to be honest. Yeah. And oh, I remember. I'm, I'm sure they're not listening, so you don't have to worry. True. You trash talk them all you want. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but once that, that kid, one time, he had this Murfolk deck and he beat me. Mm-hmm. And he was so happy. Like, oh, yeah. I've never been so happy to lose a game of Magic. Right. <laughs> And just yeah. that, like, that's just what makes the game so cool for me. That you could just pick a mm-hmm. thing and be like, I like this thing. Yeah. And magic has so much intricacy and like cool different cards and weird designs and interactions that you can make that work. Mm-hmm. And you just play a deck that you're like, yes, that is my deck. Kind of like Yu Gi Oh! You know, every character in Yu Gi Oh! has like their deck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's been so long since I've seen that show. But yeah, I remember that. That was the best part of that show. <laughs> I haven't played that game though like Yu-Gi-Oh would be a really boring show to watch if everyone would just like find the way to cheat blue eyes into play on turn one (laughs) and then like a lot of people think cards in the game are bad because it's like well blue eyes is bad because you could just have summon skull and put an (laughs) excellent despair card on him so he gets more attack and then he kills him it's like yeah "Yeah, but there's a reason you never see people do that in the anime in the anime (laughs) In the anime, everybody just gets turn one kills with like they're like pot of greed, pot of greed, pot of greed, and then they 
uh, flip the one guy who kills him, and I forget what his name is. The, oh, there's you need five cards to do it that Yu Gi Oh did in the anime. Oh, Exodia. <laughs> yeah, Exodia. Yeah, exactly. There's a, there's a reason. Like they like in the first season, I think Weevil like steals Yugi's Exodia cards and like throws them in the ocean, and that's probably like the best thing they've ever done to the anime. Because imagine he won every duel with just like shit's about to hit the fan, and it's like, oh, but I have Exodia, I win now, right? <laughs> It really makes you wonder, like, how does he do all this stuff with his spells, and then he still has five cards that he's been holding onto this whole time to play it? Oh, in the Yu-Gi-Oh lore, he genuinely <laughs> cheats. Like, Yu-Gi-Oh has lore, and a Millennium Puzzle literally makes you better at top decking. Like, that is, like, the magical <laughs> ability the that it has. Yeah, it literally stacks the deck for you. Like, it's oh, actual cheating. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that show, that, that was always hilarious. I remember there was another one that I watched. Uh, it was a different version or whatever the show and he had a different way he cheated like he literally just like pulled cards from like he just like grabbed a different card from like it wasn't even in his deck and he's like technically i had it on my arm thing they have so it was in my deck so i can play it (laughs) (laughs) it was when they have to make the protagonist bad but you can't spend (laughs) half a season of them losing they have to cheat for half a season while they get good at the game. And then in the second half of the season, they can actually start winning. Uh, that's great. Anyway, you, you said something about your five points. Yeah, we, we, were, we were just talking like, why would you play um, an off-meta deck? And I think part of yeah. it is, and the main draw is just that it's fun. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. if there's oh, yeah. a, you, you just pull a card from a pack and you're like, yes. Mm-hmm. Right? And then why would you go to go to goldfish type it in see that it's in no decks and throw it away like mm-hmm. no dude build a deck around it that's cool and you I don't know. need commander to do that you can do that in constructed one v one too i know that's why it is a graveyard trespasser i was like this card is so cool i'm gonna make a deck out of it I, and i i don't mean to brag but i think i was one of the first people to actually play with that card yeah <laughs> so I it's bought just the whole like, thing out. i'm like it's good i need to buy as many as i can because this is gonna make a ton of money later <laughs> Yeah, like obviously, Graveyard Trespasser is like less of a build around, mm-hmm. but still definitely a kind of card. You're like, if I think this card is so cool, let's just see what deck it's good in. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I found a home though, because it was way too good. True, it, it, it's just like body for a good rate. So, especially mm-hmm. now with you, you must be very happy that Rectal's Smith Range is one of the better decks. Yeah, it's, it's actually really a fun. decent card in there. I know. It, it, I love it because it's so good versus Phoenix. <laughs> it, it, it is pretty nope. solid, yeah. Off meta decks, like yeah, finding a card that's really fun. I agree that that's that's one of the funner things to do whenever you're trying to make a deck. It, it, it it's how I started with you know mm-hmm. I I now like like Grixis is my brand, mm-hmm. and the only way that that started is I started in Kaladesh, mm-hmm. and I well Aether Revolt but Kaladesh yeah, broke, and I played Is it Control? Mm-hmm. I I don't know I I remember I played like kitchen table with my friends. Mm-hmm. And uh, eventually, like we would go to the card store and spend like no more than twenty five cents on a card because otherwise it was too expensive. You know, mm-hmm. remember how everyone starts playing Magic that way? Oh yeah. And now pre orders a card, it's like wow, twenty bucks—that's a steal. Um, <laughs> but and I remember playing some like Baral Chief of Compliant Rooftop Storm Dynavolt Tower nonsense. <laughs> um, that's great. And that eventually turned into Is It Control, which was actually kind of a meta deck. Mm. And then Hour of Devastation came out. And I had never, like, I had no idea about the lore of this game. Mm-hmm. And then I saw Nicol Bolas, like, in the spoilers, and I was like, oh, my God, this card is so cool. <laughs> and yeah. then I went to the pre-release, and I pulled two. Mm-hmm. 
in my pre-release i pulled two nickel bolas and i was like this was like a sign from like the heavens right it's like yeah you should put this card in your deck you're only one color away Mm -hmm. and then i just fit it in in my deck and i've played grixis control since that day nice Uh, it's always funny how everybody seems to start with is it like i remember back when i started it wasn't my first deck but like the first deck i built because i had a pre-con but first deck i built was an is it deck that using me like is it paragon who just if you have a spell on top of your library you can cast yes. it and copies that was it my first commander deck was... yeah I, I that was my first like construct deck and so i don't know it's always funny how everybody I, a lot of people i talk to always start with is it i think it's <laughs> the spell slinging fantasy you know like a lot of yeah. us see like magic and we think like harry potter and that mm-hmm. sort of thing and that's that's all like throwing spells at things so mm-hmm. I think you start with like, what do I think in a game called Magic that has a theme of magic? I think about slinging spells. Mm-hmm. And then I That's think when you true. play the game more, then you're like, oh, playing creatures is actually pretty cool too. Oh, there's actually a lot of depth to combat. And mm-hmm. Also, when you're new and you do spell slinging, that means you don't have to do combat because math is hard. Yeah. <laughs> That's very true. All right math always gets to me whenever i have whenever somebody's like okay so i do five damage to you but then you block seven of it and then da, 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 that that math actually wasn't that oh, hard but you know yeah, combat I, math I, is always the worst i've been obviously as i playing control mostly and recently uh i picked up five color humans in pioneer and that deck does a lot of attacking and blocking mm-hmm. because the deck is literally nothing but creatures oh yeah so and i still see myself defaulted to be like i like mantis rider because generally it just means three to you (laughs) (laughs) nice and easy so simple exactly (laughs) oh yeah i I love that five color humans became a deck now that's uh, so fun my first pioneer deck was humans it's it's such a fun archetype yeah i owned ors of humans and banned humans and i literally just took the decks and just smashed them together and then added a few (laughs) cards like i i looked at the list and i was like i have most of this like coincidentally (laughs) Nice. Just I used to have two decks, and now I have one. But <laughs> but it is one good Extra deck sleeves. rather than two medium decks. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. How to play to your strength? So if you're doing an off meta deck, how would you say that is the best way to play to your strengths? Like like for Grixis, for example, what's the best way to play to Grixis's strengths versus just the classic Demir control or even Uwite control? <laughs> I think the <laughs> Uwite. Um, <laughs> I think the um, most interesting part when uh, Grixis is a little different, right? Because you go from like a mm-hmm. whole archetype. So mm-hmm. other than there's one or two Nicol Bolas in my deck, I don't really care what the rest of my deck looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you, I think, just have to like start looking at what what is there to gain in this deck. So, mm-hmm. for example, we're playing a red-based control deck. Well, we're playing a control deck and we're adding red. Mm-hmm. Now, what does red bring to that deck? And is that something that is um, good right now? I yeah. think a good example of that is uh, are the cards Flame Blast Bolt, Abrade, and Anger of the Gods. So yeah. um, the Anger and Flame Blast Bolts are strong early game removal that exiles, which has a lot of value. And Abrade okay. has that flexibility that it can deal with artifacts. Mm-hmm. So if I'm looking to play Grixis, I generally mm-hmm. start with a list that is basically a Demir list. And I will start thinking, okay, what? how much do I want to commit into playing red? Because, for example, Anger of the God takes quite a commitment mm-hmm. to your mana base. Oh yeah. So I have to start thinking, 
is it, especially because Cry of the Cronarium is an option too. Mm. So you look at the meta and be like, how often is it worth it to get that extra point of damage mm-hmm. to get that exile-based sweeper? Um, I think it's kind of similar with Flame Blast Bolt, oh, where yeah. your mana base is pretty skewed to having Fatal Push, mm. because obviously an incredibly good card. Yeah. Um, and you need to skew your mana base quite a bit to get that red mana early. Oh, yeah. And you have to look at the meta and be like, is this good right now? I think a good example of when that can be good is uh, Phoenix gets hit by Flame Blast Bolt very cleanly. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you have a one red answer that mm-hmm. basically deals with their bullshit. Oh, and yeah. you can spend the rest of your mana interacting with things like um, Treasure Cruise and Temporal Trespass and those type of cards. Mm-hmm. And so that's like a really powerful effect. And you yeah. could think that is yeah, a you know. reason to go into this color. Um, and I think an important part of that, especially again when you are splashing an archetype, I play ups on mid range, but I don't like myself, so I want to play Siege Rhino. Mm. And <laughs> you have to then think, all right, so going into white can give me, um, for example, March of Otherworldly Light. Oh, yeah. As opposed Great, to Fable Push. But is it actually worth it to go that deep into white, or should you just splash for the card that you think is cool? Yeah, that's very true. Don't let spiky players tell you otherwise. If you're if your deck is twice as fun to play, but you lose one or two percent win percentage, that doesn't matter. Oh, no. Because not. you're not playing a thousand matches to get on the Pro Tour. You're playing four matches a week at FNM. Mm-hmm. And those type of margins just do not come in when mm-hmm. you oh, start sure. playing at that level. You can take pretty janky stuff in 4-0 and FNM. Mm-hmm. Which I think is kind of the beauty of FNM. Oh yeah, I love that. Like grinding on MTGO. Like, yeah, if you grind on MTGO all day, you're gonna notice those type of things. When you play a <laughs> hundred matches a year, you don't. Oh yeah, because then it's like you lose one match because that's the one play percentage yeah, that you exactly. would have gained. You're not gonna versus... think of that one or two matches you lost. You're gonna mm-hmm. think of that one match where your opponent was on three and you killed them with Siege Rhino. Oh yeah. <laughs> Right, and that's gonna stick. Like you're gonna write that high for three additional F and M's, right? And then probably throughout your pioneer career, because people just yeah they can't get over Siege Rhino. I, I never won with it, so I, I'm I'm thankful that I never did. I started <laughs> playing after that card, and I don't play Obson. Like, so I I've never cast the Siege Rhino, and I do make it a little bit of a meme to always shit on Siege Rhino, <laughs> even though the card isn't that bad. But like, yeah, yeah, not uh, a fan. It, it's a it, so I took a break at that time, so I never had the chance to play with Rhino. But looking back, I'm like, it's it's pretty fine. <laughs> but I, I lost to yeah. that card even in Pioneer. Yeah, right. Like you know, if you're playing a creature deck, a four mana four five blocker that drains you for three is like, you just look at half your board and you're like, yeah, they're no longer attacking. So, mm-hmm. It's very good, but I don't know. I think that if it had a better shell around it, it could be fine. I think that people rely on its power too much, though. They're like, if I just play Siege Rhino, I can play all these crappy cards around it. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 well, I think that's that's exactly the point, right? Mm-hmm. If you're thinking um, of if you're thinking of playing off meta and why you would mm-hmm. do that, honestly, like a small dip for a card that's fun, that is a valid reason to change mm-hmm. your deck. But if you immediately go into the Abzon fantasy and now you're putting Fleece Main Lion in your deck and Warden of mm-hmm. the First Tree, and like now you're you're hitting your deck 
mm. but you're not really bringing anything to the deck. Oh yeah, because those cards can very easily be swapped for cards in Golgari colors that do the same thing. Mm-hmm. So if you want to play an off-meta deck, I think that what we're saying is just start with good cards and then in, integrate the cards that you think will make it better. Yeah, exactly. So you start with a shell that you know is probably better, right? Mm-hmm. Something that you can maybe even find online in a challenge or a league or something. Mm-hmm. Then you can sprinkle in cards that you find fun. Mm-hmm. But if you want to make it a little spicier, you can think, well, now that I'm in this color, mm-hmm. you know, now that I've considered that taking four extra damage a turn from your shock lens is worth it to put white in the deck, mm-hmm. now I can look, are there other cool cards that actually mean that instead of dropping 2%, I actually only drop one mm-hmm. because I've now added some actual, like, cool Celestia or Solve type of cards. Yeah, like if you add uh, Kunaros or something, like, that's a good card. Yeah, exactly. You're like, hey, now that I'm in white for Siege Rhino, mm-hmm. hey, that Kunaros card is actually pretty cool. Now, you yeah, wouldn't smash white in a Golgari deck to put mm-hmm. Kunaros in. Not oh, good yeah. enough. But now that you are in white, you've committed to being in white, you should mm-hmm. actually consider Kunaros. Yeah. Just play the good cards, people. That's all we're saying. <laughs> I mean, that's what it boils down to, to some yeah. degree, right? <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, one of the questions I had also was, how, what's the best way to capitalize on off medics for for like example uh maybe this question we might just scrap and cut it out but uh abrupt decay when Luris was everywhere and the uh, culling ritual like is that a good example of playing an off meta deck because the meta i, I don't how am i supposed to i, I, I think i know what you mean i know what you mean i think that ties in a little bit to what we were yeah. talking about just so now that i'm playing like i don't know i'm adding green to my mono black deck mm-hmm. i i know i not don't know a specific card but now I'm, that i'm committed to adding green to my mono black deck mm-hmm. now uh, i should look at what the cool cards are and then you mm-hmm. find culling ritual and you're like oh but everyone's on Luris. so so that's good no matter right everything mm-hmm. right and then you find just like you know i didn't add red to grixis to play flame best bolt mm-hmm. i had red to grixis to play nickel bolas Mm-hmm. But then I look at Flame Blast Bolt and the other card I just forgot, but uh, is good against Phoenix. But uh, also, Gods. there were a lot of white decks that were playing uh, Apostle of Purifying Light, mm-hmm. which is pro black. Mm-hmm. And that's like there, like, oh, I'm going to bring that in against the mirror because they can't kill it. And then mm-hmm. you Magma Spray it. So now that oh, I've yeah. committed to red, you can look for those cool cards. And that is a really big, like, strength because if there is no, um, like, I think the basis of, like, for example, Flame Blast Bolt is um, mm-hmm. like an is it control shell, or maybe oh, even yeah. like Anger, right? Mm-hmm. If there is no good is it deck, no one is going to play around the is it cards. Yep. I mean, obviously, there's Phoenix, but hypothetically, if there's no mm-hmm. good is it decks, people aren't going to play around the card that you see in is it decks. Yeah. So if people don't play accordingly, then you can really like punish people for not being prepared for that card i think a really good example and um i don't know who came up with this first i saw it in a thing i think it was either um it was either darth jason or carnage cards mm-hmm. um they tried is it control and mm-hmm. they played um counterflux as a counter oh i remember that card. for people who don't know what it does i will quickly put it up um 
Google, please hurry. Uh, counterflux is white, uh, blue, blue, red mm-hmm. uh, for an instant. It can't be countered, and it says counter target spell you don't control, and for an additional mana, you overload it. So it counters mm-hmm. every spell that you don't control while being uncounterable. Oh, yeah, there is good. no is it control deck in the meta, or at least <laughs> it's playable if seen it, but it's it's mm-hmm. if people prepare for a tournament, they are never going to prepare for this. Oh, yeah. Um, the way Phoenix almost always beats control mm-hmm. is by going Galvanic Iteration, flash it back, play Temporal Trespass. Mm-hmm. And no matter where you interact with that combo, they get two turns. Mm-hmm. And there is like it's very hard to play around this control. So they just like they will straight up play into it, right? If they have eight mana, they will just go cast it, flash it back, that tap out. Yep. And then they put three scout and then they put three turn spells on the stack. You're like, what are you gonna do? Three counters? And you're like, <laughs> no, overload one. Oh yeah, that's because, it's such a good idea. Yeah, because it's a card that I've never played around. And I saw that card, and then I saw that new Capenna is gonna make Grixis's mana better. Mm-hmm. And I saw another like opportunity. For like, hey, that's you know, that's an amazing card, and no one is gonna board in Narset's reversal to keep in mind that Counterflux exists, mm-hmm. especially on the main deck, right? <laughs> it's like a sometimes yeah. one-off in the sideboard in matchups where you expect um, thought distortion to come in. You might mm-hmm. play one, so that oh, could really sure. capitalize on people aren't prepared for you at all. Oh yeah, for sure. Even though your I deck was... isn't that much worse. Yeah, I was also just thinking uh, one of the ways to you could do it in uh, the meta right now is playing a lot more green because I've noticed that a lot of people have dropped their Aether Gust and stuff. So not a lot of people are prepared for a green deck. So like Stompy or absolutely like, like, like that. That is a really good point. Because yeah, I'm just noticing that nobody's playing Aether Gust. Nobody's playing this. Like Phoenix plays like maybe two, but I mean. Phoenix is Phoenix. They're yeah. going to do it. They're going to do. They're going to draw a million cards. But I've noticed that like blue white control is it uh, all these stuff. They're nobody's prepared for that. So if you have a deck that you like to play, but it's off colors from what most of the things are playing, it's pretty good generally just to take down an event. I think. Yeah, I think that a large reason for that is even like Phoenix runs fewer because Rending Volley exists, and Rending mm-hmm. Volley is a very good way to interact with five color humans. Mm-hmm. which became very popular when it did well at SCG Indie and then yep. basically didn't show up last week, the week after, because like everybody had multiple random follies in their sideboards. Because mm-hmm. it's also the perfect answer to Winoda. Oh, like, yeah. One red and it kills her. Mm-hmm. So if people move away from that and they move into Aethergust, hey, now you're like gruel prison deck with Clothis. Oh. <laughs> is good again, right? Yeah. Or is better. And you can find yeah. that niche. So I think that's a very good point. If you see certain cards fall off, you could be like, hey, that makes, you know, hey, maybe now green, like very specifically, obviously, for cloth is, hey, green enchantments are basically impossible to kill right now. Oh, yeah. Other Except than for March. But yeah, that is March. one deck. And yeah. those type of decks always suck against control anyway. Like, don't, mm-hmm. don't play a prison deck against control because we don't have Blood Moon in this format. So you're not actually locking them out on turn three. Yeah, uh, uh, if you're looking for a good enchantment, though, I just want to throw this out there. Uh, Ranger class, that one's really good. Nobody ever interacts with it except for yes. March. Like, but it'll get you a lot of value, so play it, people. Though, you're saying that, if I play a mono green Stompy deck, you can also completely move out of non-creature spells and play around Novin's Veto. <laughs> That's true. That's a very good point. Control deck. 
So yeah. you already see it happening right here, right? This is this conversation you can almost have with yourself mm-hmm. if you're trying to determine like what wacky strategy can I bring? Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody's prepared. Holes. Yeah, everybody's prepared for blue white and and uh, what's it called? The uh, lotus. So yeah, if you can just go completely creature, you can kind of blindside people. Time for dinos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gruel dinos right i see no aether okay. gust we okay. should not be playing any creed we should not be playing any cards that aren't creatures uh what's that one that gives all your trample creatures and makes more trample for my cory i can't remember but it was a gruel dinosaur oh the yeah the it's the trample lord god that is like an all-star in my my ledh deck because the whole deck is trample um... uh time for dinosaurs let's go <laughs> yes time for dinosaurs so i think um Another point, because we've we've been talking like pretty generally mm-hmm. about like, you know, why would you bring an off meta strategy? We've talked about like a couple like cool techie cards, mm-hmm. but obviously the main place where you're going to be starting if you want to build something off meta is probably not. Oh, I think Counterflux is a cool card. Let's build a deck around that whole thing. You're mm-hmm. probably thinking of like like more of a face card of your yeah. deck, and you found this cool card or this combination of cards, and you. You're like, yeah, I like I just said with like the traumatize um, mm-hmm. um, fraying sanity combo, which just mills yep. out your opponent in one go. Just thinking, well, how do I turn that into a cool deck? And I did mm-hmm. some thinking uh, before the podcast, and I ran it past Brad too, and we came up with sort of like five steps of how do you start with a card that you think is cool, mm-hmm. and how do you make this into a reasonable deck. And um, I'll go over these five steps. You can sort of, obviously, you know, yeah. cast, chip in, ask questions, whatever. Yeah. Um, and the main one that got me started on this is the card uh, Magda, Brazen Outlaw. Mm-hmm. That's um, a really cool card. I love it. Was when Coldheim came out, mm-hmm. um, we were talking about this card. And I think we had um, someone else on the podcast, too. And we kind of got talking when this card got spoiled. Mm-hmm. So the first step that I would like to do if I see a card that I think is really cool is I just dissect the card. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's, it sounds a bit obvious, but you're just going to read the card from top to bottom yep, and see what you want. So the first one you see is, well, you see Magda, and mm-hmm. Magda says is a 2-mana, two 2-1 Dwarf Berserker, legendary mm-hmm. creature. And she starts with other dwarfs you control get plus 1, plus 0. It's like, mm-hmm. all right, so she wants to do something with dwarves. Yep. Then she says, whenever a dwarf you control becomes tapped, create a treasure token. I was like, all right, so we don't just want to play dwarfs, we want to tap dwarfs. Mm-hmm. And then sacrifice five treasures, search your library for an artifact or a dragon, put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle. So you mm-hmm. want to be doing something with dragons and artifacts with high mana costs. Okay. So that's kind of like the super like conceptual start. Mm-hmm. Then we're going to look step two. Uh, how do we enable these parts? Uh, so the first one's pretty easy because she's a dwarf lord. So you mm-hmm. want to be playing dwarfs. So yep. makes sense. Note that down. Dwarfs should be in the deck. Cool. Yep. Um, then we have to tap our dwarfs. Now, how do you tap creatures in magic? Well, you attack with them. Mm-hmm. So that can be an enabler. Yep. But you run into some problems when you look at that because mm-hmm. well what about dwarves that just attacked that just entered the battlefield mm-hmm. we can give them haste yeah but we can also see if there's other mechanics to tap our dwarves mm-hmm. 
then the third one, we're just going to have to find big, expensive artifacts and dragons because you're not going to tutor an ornithopter out of your deck. Oh, for sure. So we want big cards. Yeah, I, I love then, the... Oh, yeah. You go first. No, you go first. Oh, I was just going to say, I just love how the 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 part about the how do you get your doors to tap. I love the ingenuity that came from some of the things some of the people building around that part. Like uh, I saw some lists playing uh, Springleaf Drum, which adds mana and you tap creatures and it can... So the creatures, if they don't have haste, you can just start adding mana to play more dwarves and then it taps them to add, make a treasure. So you start making like, every time you tap a dwarf, you make two mana, which I think is a really cool way to do it. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I think that. that's super. Uh, Magda um, won, uh, I think last week, it won the largest CEDH tournament to date. It was oh, really? won by a, by a Magda deck. Really? And that runs stuff like Survivor's Encampment, which says tap <laughs> tap a creature at one mana of any color. And you're playing oh, it in a mono red deck. <laughs> you don't care that it, yeah, you get any color, which is going to be red. But it's an intuitive way to tap Magda. So yeah, uh, there's a lot of cool innovations. And I think that's where the interesting part in Magda is going to be. Mm. Find that when we sort of go to the next step uh, mm. and see that there's a lot of ways in Magic you can tap creatures that don't oh, yeah. involve combat. Mm-hmm. So step three is really easy, but it takes it's probably the most time consuming. And this mm-hmm. is just go to Scryfall. So oh, yeah. you go to Scryfall and you're just gonna type in things that sort of check the boxes you found earlier. Mm-hmm. So how do we enable these parts? Well, we wanna run dwarves. So let's just type in pioneer legal dwarves. Mm-hmm. And you're gonna find a lot of cards. And oh, yeah. this is where it becomes a little harder to do this process when you're new to the game. Mm-hmm. Because you're going to have to look at all the dwarves in Magic, and you're going to have to determine which ones suck. Mm-hmm. And Because otherwise, I mean, you can't have a maybe board of 300 cards. Yeah. Now, if you go Pioneer, Legal, Dwarves, go. The first one you find is Aerial Responder, which is a 3-mana, 2-3 Flying Vigilance lifelink. That card obviously sucks. Yeah. Because... Bat rate, whatever. But the second one, you find Aether Geode Miner, which is a 2-mana, 3-1, and it has an effect where if you attack, you get 2 energy, and you can pay 2 energy, and you flicker it. I'm like, okay, that's that's a decent rate, right? And you can attack, so it taps your creature, but when you flicker it, it's untapped again. So we could maybe tap it again. So this, this card's got potential. Yeah. So you save that one. And then we have... Um, you have your dwarves, but now you want to tap your dwarves. Mm-hmm. So how do creatures attack immediately? We give them haste. Mm-hmm. So we look, are there any good haste cards? Spoiler, no. Right now. Most magic cards that say all your cards have haste suck. Because haste is really good. Yeah. But there are... So we're not going to look at haste, all right? but mm-hmm. we're going to go to Scryfall. What cards just tap creatures? Mm-hmm. What card just says... The effect is to tap a creature. Mm-hmm. Well, one that dwarves happen to go very well with is vehicles. Oh, yeah. And the greatest thing about vehicles, rules-wise, I always call this that you clown car your vehicle, and it's that that you massively overcrew it. So you just have all the dwarves, they get in the same car. They're just in one looter scooter. It's yeah, just they're like... just in one looter scooter. Just all the dwarves. As I always go cl- clown carring it. We just all go. There's way more dwarves in this car than should fit in this car. Um, <laughs> Sounds like a, a yeah, like you said, a clown car. 
that was yeah. dumb. Um, <laughs> that was dumb. <laughs> and reminds me of something that you just said. Yeah. And <laughs> another mechanic that people might be familiar with is convoke. Mm-hmm. So convoke is also a way to tap your dwarves. Yeah, that's true. And you go through and you you start looking at these cards and you're gonna fight you're gonna have like these little Eureka moments. Mm-hmm. And this one was on the cast. I think it was Nameless who's on, who's the um, server owner of the MTG at home, uh, the Playaway server, excuse me, mm-hmm. that um, I'm part of. And we found a card, Obelisk of Erd. Oh, uh, yeah. This is card. a card from M15. It's six colorless mana, and it has Convoke. Mm-hmm. As Obelisk of Erd enters the battlefield, creatures you control of the chosen type get plus two, plus two. Mm-hmm. Now this one's amazing with Magda, because you tap all your dwarves to find to cast an obelisk of Erd, which is an artifact. So now you sack the five treasures you get, and you find another one. <laughs> and now all your dwarves have plus four, plus four. So now it doesn't matter that your stone shield made is a bat ray because it's a five seven for one mana, which is <laughs> that's, that's, that's fine, good. right? It's got more toughness than power. Not a thing you want to do in an aggro deck. But I think we're gonna be okay. Right? Yeah, you just you just start playing like uh, the Hawatli that changes all their that makes it attack with the toughness. You're like, Haha, even I'm figuring it out. <laughs> <laughs> but like, so this is sort of like, and then obviously the other one, you just go to high CMC dragons and yeah artifacts. So you're just gonna like, yeah, that's a good card. That's a good card. Mm-hmm. That's a good card, right? That, that that process, that step was probably the easiest. Oh yeah. Um, so now you have a whole bunch of cards that you found. You found dwarves that don't suck, mm-hmm. artifacts to cheat in, and creative ways to tap your creatures. Mm-hmm. And now sort of like the the brewing starts, mostly, because now you're obviously going to have to build together a 60, right? So you... Um, and this one, this one is a little bit harder with Magda because Magda has so many, like, accesses to it. Uh, it, it's it's such a multifaceted card that it it still led to like the world's largest scryfall search after I tried to do this. Oh, fun! I think an important thing when you start to brew around a specific card—that's sort of like the fourth step in your brewing—is mm. that you have to consider what my deck does if it doesn't draw the card, mm. because Magda is, or even when it doesn't live, Magda is a two mana creature with one toughness. Like, she, she dies to literal everything. Like, everything that is intended to kill a creature kills Magda. Oh, yeah. So, a stiff breeze, dead. Yeah, a stiff breeze, like an angry look, like, and Magda just drops. So you're going to have to think, well, what does the deck do when I don't draw Magda? So you've, you've mm-hmm. put your deck together, and you're probably going to start with the biggest dragon and the biggest artifact... And like like all the dwarfs with cool effects and something like Dapala, which does an extra effect when she taps, because you're like, oh, that works so well with Magda. Mm-hmm. And now your deck is all like Magda, three mana dwarves, eight mana dragons. Yep. And you're like, it works. And if I draw Magda, I, I'm probably gonna play an Utvara Hellkite on turn four. <laughs> and that's pretty cool, I guess. Yeah, And then you don't draw Magda and your opponent is stuck on two lands for five turns and you somehow haven't killed them. Mm-hmm. And that's where sort of like your jank deck becomes like 
a deck that can actually pick up games. Mm -hmm. Sure, your jank can can work every once in the 10 games you play, and you go to an FNM and you go 0-2-0-2-1-2-0-2, and you're like, but it worked once. You're not going to enjoy that for more than a week. Oh, yeah. You're probably already going to be bored halfway through the FNM. Mm-hmm. Like even though you you do your thing, okay. so um, you're gonna have to think about cards that just. So that's why you're gonna look at. You need to find like the dwarfs with good rates. Mm-hmm. Because what's the fallback plan of Magda? Well, I could just play dwarf tribal. Yeah. So if you're thinking, well, my backup is playing dwarf tribal, that means you're gonna have to have a good curve because mm-hmm. aggro deck curves well. So. Mm-hmm you're going to need a sufficient amount of one drops in your deck. Uh, yep. A good number of two drops. Maybe some some lords with a good rate. And you're you're probably not going to be a 27 land deck. Yeah. So you you're not going to you're not going to have a lot of land to operate because your your one backup plan is beat down. Mm-hmm. But your other backup plan is well I guess if I can't cheat out my a drop I'm going to have to cast it. Yeah. So that's if true. that's the direction you're going into you're going to need to have a lot of mana mm-hmm. because a 22 land deck is never casting an A drop. Mm-hmm. So now you see that even though you've got your Magda at the core, the deck gets sort of pulled on at two sides because your one backup is beat down. Mm-hmm. Your other backup is casting big cards. Um, That's true. Yeah. So those are two conflicting backup plans. So you need to think of a concise backup plan. Now, mm-hmm. I think the easiest way to do that is, okay, if I'm going to go into the beatdown strategy, that means I'm going to have to lower my curve and, you know, be a bit of an aggro deck. Yeah. So that probably means that the card I'm cheating out shouldn't be eight mana. Because yeah, so if I don't like, have Magda, I'm never casting it. Yeah, so like play like the obelisk, uh, obelisk card that rewards you for having... Yeah. Obelisk of Earth is more yep. castable. Right, mm-hmm. Obelisk of Earth can be cheated out, but if I have two dwarfs in play, I can cast it for four mana. Oh, yeah. That's a reasonable number to spend on a card. Mm-hmm. Maybe your dragon should be Glorybringer. Mm-hmm. You know, if I get a Glorybringer for free out of my deck with Magda, I'm still getting a really good deal. Oh yeah. Now, is it Udvara Hellkite that single-handedly wins games if it ever attacks once? No. Yeah. No, it's not. But it's but, still yeah. really good. So you're mm-hmm. you're ceiling is lower but your Mm -hmm. floor has been raised significantly and this is a card that i didn't actually think of the first time but i saw someone sitting at a table next to me at an fnm last week and they were playing boros vehicles with magda Mm -hmm. and they attacked with um a couple of dwarves and two um consulate dreadnoughts Mm -hmm. and the opponent went to blockers and in one game, he paid two red mana and put an ember cleave on one of the boats. <laughs> and his opponent obviously died. <laughs> the other game, he had Magda. He sacked five treasures, found ember cleave, and killed them with a boat. <laughs> and I was that like, is. now we're now we're cooking. That's because pretty spicy. Now you this card is amazing when you just go for your beatdown plan, right? Because you go mm-hmm. wide. And you're paying two mana for your Ember Cleave. If you draw it, that also just mm-hmm. works. Like, what if I draw my tutored card? Um, but the other way around it is that if you do cheat it out of the deck, it's still a good hit. Yeah, it's very and good. now you've found a good backup plan. 
But when you draw Magda, your deck is like supercharged. Magda can do some crazy stuff I've seen. Like, it's nuts. <laughs> like, you're... You, when you see a lot of meta decks, there are decks that are built to be like B pluses, A minuses mm-hmm. uh, all the time. Generally, when you see combo decks or like at least like janky decks, like even the uh, mill deck we were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. that is like, as people like to refer to it, a splinter twin situation, right? Mm-hmm. I have two cards, and if I cast those two cards after each other, I win. Um, how do you say that? Like you, you have that situation, but you need the deck to be. So, so at that point, your deck is an A plus mm-hmm. because, like, that's better than a lot of other decks you're gonna find. Oh yeah. Like, if Magda sticks, I've played Dwarf Tribal with Magda, and mm-hmm. it's obviously pretty janky. But if you have Magda in play, it actually feels like a really good deck. Oh yeah. Because of just how messed up that card is. But yeah. I can't afford my deck to be a D if I don't have Magda. Here's my question. So, would you ever consider splashing Court of Calling in Magda? Because it taps your creatures for Convoke, and you can also search out a creature. I think that's um, perfect, because that was kind of the, the asterisk to this whole point. Now we're talking like, hey, what if I don't draw Magda? I can make the deck better. But we can also do it the other way around. Well, I can mm-hmm. just play cards that find Magda and work on having Magda out more often. Yeah, and for the deck in specific, I think the splash is too much. Uh, Court of Calling is uh, triple green, yeah. and none of your dwarves are green. That's and true. even if you're looking at like, well, I can Eldritch Evolution, but Eldritch mm-hmm. Evolution is still double green. Mm-hmm. And like you're you're like probably trying to sack a one drop, but grabbing a, if you sack a one drop, you could already be grabbing a three drop, mm-hmm. and you're grabbing a two drop. So that's a little awkward. Mm-hmm. Generally, it's not very good if your deck relies on a creature. Yeah. Because most creature tutors are bad, mm-hmm. um, because they tend to be too expensive. Like we don't have like worldly tutor or something here. Yeah. Um, and for the record, I consider diabolic tutor like trash. Oh yeah, the like, four mana yeah, one. Yeah, my deck is black. Yeah, so I can run a four yeah. mana tutor, and it's like, yeah, you can, but you're gonna be dead. Right? No, we're only not, we're not playing. Tutor's the only good one. <laughs> I mean, basically. Right, you need something that is about as good as demonic tutor, mm-hmm. but obviously demonic tutor is generally general. But there are tutors out there that are basically as good as demonic tutor, but they're mm-hmm. specific to something. Yeah, so, like uh, what's that one? The it's five black, no three black black, but it gives you three black mana if you have spell mastery. Yeah, like um, kind of a black demonic tutor if you have five mana. <laughs> Uh, is it something like Demonic Pact or something? Um, uh, I don't remember the name. Oh, hmm. it's Lotus Field. Dark Petition. Yeah, Dark Petition. That so yeah, th- that, that can work already. Like, hey, my mm-hmm. deck is with in- playing with Instants and Sorceries. Mm-hmm. And maybe, uh, for example, your you know traumatized deck, you've built it in Demir. Mm-hmm. Well, Demir is you're probably going to be a control deck that waits mm-hmm. for this combo. But now I can play that card and find my combo piece and use the three mana on a cry of the Carnarian and hold mm-hmm. my opponent back or a hero's downfall. And that means your that tutor would work. But I think another one is that generally if your deck is built around an artifact, artifacts have good tutors. Mm-hmm. So you can you can do that a little bit more. And I think the third sort of aspect to it is 
if you determine in like the first step that my deck just sucks if I don't have the card, right? I've tried to build it. I played my dwarves. I lowered my curve, but it just sucks. Mm. Then you default to the bad tutors. Mm -hmm. Like then you are gonna Eldritch Evolution and Ornithopter, right? To find your Mm -hmm. Magda or something. But that's probably not. If you find yourself in step in that like step three, Mm. you're probably looking at a deck that's just not gonna work yeah Winota's is just an anomaly an anomaly somehow because they tutor random stuff and it's like okay i, I guess it works there but... yeah but they, they have like the deck is already green yeah and there true. is a lot of two drops to turn into magda which uh, to turn into Winota, which is a three uh, four drop yeah, so that like true. very organically works and you're Dorks can be turned into three drops, which can be cards like Skyclave Apparition. Mm-hmm. So there's actually interaction in your deck. So That's there, true. it like that works, right? But even a lot of Winoda decks don't run Eldritch Evolution, which I think is mad, but a lot of them don't. Yeah. Interesting. So that, that was, I think that was a really well thought out and great uh, way to show people how to. I think build for a around. quick wrap up. Because I did have five steps. Yeah. Oh, you five, five steps. Fifth, sorry. I Don't thought worry. that was the fifth. I'm sorry. Sorry. The fifth step is really easy, and that is just gold fishing and playtesting. Yeah. Um, because I know there's there's a lot of people out there that, and I love Frank Garston and the work he mm-hmm. does, but there's too many people that build magic decks with spreadsheets, and then they go to FNM, and then they're like, why doesn't my deck work? Um, I think there's a lot in a deck that is also just sort of like feel. Mm-hmm. You know, um, a lot of people, when they look, when they don't play control often, they will look at control lists and they're just like, what the fuck is this? They see like a one-off here and a weird utility land. Why is there a blast zone in there? What the hell is two (laughs) radiant fountain doing in a blue-eyed control deck? And it that comes up from just playing Mm -hmm. and being like, hey, I noticed that like, you know, um, I tend to do this where I can sometimes use a different art. So mm-hmm. I will run three Sulfur Falls, and then one of them has a different art. And I start playing, and I'm like, I'm going to keep note when I draw the off art if it's a Steam Vents. Yeah. And if it could be a Steam Vents, and you're going like, to like, get a feel for that. And I think the feel <laughs> is like idea. where that fine-tuning comes in. Mm-hmm. You could do the math for thinking, like, can I consistently cast my card if I can't tutor it with Magda? That's what you could do the mm-hmm. math for. But at the end of the day, Goldfish... Um, this was especially what I did uh, more than I would like to admit when we had online classes at university with COVID. Mm. I think I spent half my classes goldfishing decks. Like oh, I would same. half listen and I was just sitting there like shuffling, goldfishing, taking almost more notes on my decks than notes on the class, depending oh, yeah. on what the class was. I did that for my biology class because the teacher, he gave us uh, he gave us all the slides for the class. So we had to show up for participation points, but like you didn't need to actually be there for anything (laughs) (laughs) they always do that for some reason (laughs) so it's it's it's, and that especially that goldfishing and playtesting and that's kind of where i think the 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 cool part is when you're brewing a deck that you really like Mm. that's a really fun process where if you're playing at least i always feel like when i'm trying to brew like or like improve on like a meta deck and i'm thinking Mm. like oh do i run three or four fable of the mirror breaker in a deck that I'm more playing because it's good than that it's a deck that I like, 
mm-hmm. I, f- I find that process very tedious and I will just wait for someone else to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I'm brewing something new, I can play test that shit all day. Right? Yeah. And just oh, find sure. like that tunement, find that cool list. Mm-hmm. Um, and then randomly like smash an FNM with it because people don't see what's coming. And that's like some of like one of the most fun uh things at my old lgs because that was so that was the more casual one so you could get away with Mm. a lot more stuff uh and i was like the control guy oh yeah and rivals of ixalan comes out and i have this idea for a vampire deck like vampire Mm -hmm. aggro and it is the actual cleanest deck list i've ever brewed it was literally all four offs even the lands because it was all fours (laughs) and it was four planes four swamp the sideboard was a four of four of four of three of. It was the oh. cleanest looking deck list on Goldfish I've ever seen. That's and beautiful. I show up and I two o two o two o two o two o the whole F and M. Oh, nice! Because first of all, everyone kept hands that were good against control, because they expected me to be on it. Mm-hmm. But also because I like spent some time, found some cool synergies. Then you played like on X Mage to play online, and I found like this like paladin that takes dam that like grows when you take damage in a turn. And then I would oh, use the yeah, deserts no. from Amoncat to purposefully deal damage to myself on my opponent's turn. Yeah, so I could I trigger that twice. That card was great. Yeah, that card was great. And that that was so fun. Mm-hmm. And I, I playtested so and lost so many matches playtesting. And then I showed up with a cool deck. And I did well. And I, that was just that was the best feeling. Oh, nice. That's what I like most in Magic when you do that type of thing happens. Mm-hmm. Often meta is the best. It really is. It's it's what I think is the most fun about magic. That, that mm-hmm. I, I hate that people shit on people who net deck. I used to be like that when I played Hearthstone when I was 15. And I was like, mm-hmm. eh, net decking. And it's like, no, it's fine. Right? Play how you want to play the game. But I think having my deck is still the cool. It's it's I guess it's that Yu-Gi-Oh vibe, right? Mm-hmm. Like my Everybody's deck. Unique. You know, mm-hmm. everybody wants to have that unique deck. They want to be some people just want to be known as that X strategy guy. Mm-hmm. And then always somehow do well, even though everybody thinks the deck is shit in the meta. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> but most decks are good if you've spent three thousand hours playing them. I know that I love the pioneers like that. It's like play this deck over and over again, and it doesn't really matter what deck it is, as long as it, you know it's not like you're playing uh, like Teddy Bear Tribal. Like, yeah, you can probably win a lot more than people will give you credit for it yeah, if you just on reps expertise knowing how it matches up against meta decks you you can mm-hmm. get so far especially because pioneer has really good sideboard cards oh yeah so Great. if you build a good sideboard with just your generic like deafening silences rest in pieces and that sort of thing mm-hmm. you can dodge a lot of the bullshit matchups mm-hmm. and like kind of just stacks your way out of them and mm-hmm. then and all the other matchups like just metagame knowledge and knowing how your deck works and playing around your playing around your top decks well and stuff it's just you can mm. get away with so many so many decks oh yeah for sure you wanted to go over a little bit of the new stuff that just specifically talking about grixis you want to go over some of the new stuff that came out oh yeah. yeah absolutely i uh, think that they're really cool that ch- the charm that yeah, one has me I really just, excited i mean man i just don't want to be calling it maestro control like i'm going to keep calling it grixis control because just a friend of mine calls it maestro control just to mess with me it's like nope. <laughs> <laughs> we are not doing that. Grixis is so much such a better damn name. Yeah, like, Abzan is, is way better than Indatha. Like no, oh, yeah. nobody knows. Nobody Indatha. calls Spider Triomes. I know. Like, um, or like nobody knows Soltai as like Brockus, even though that's yeah. what the uh, the dude is called. Um, yeah, but just 
I mean, obviously, we can talk a little bit about other cards <laughs> from Capenna too, if you, uh, you know, I don't know if yeah. you have thoughts on some of them. But uh, the Grixis cards yeah. have got me really excited. Yeah, I can bring them up. Uh, I, I thought there was some really cool stuff in New Capenna spoilers, which I can't believe it's already spoiler season. Last episode I did, well, other than the Servo one, was was uh, a review of just kind of the Kamigawa stuff, and it's just kind of crazy <laughs> how fast the spoilers are coming now. Yeah, yeah, it's and and normally I would be like slow down a little bit, but I'm seeing some of the spoilers for this set. And I'm like, oh no, give me more. Yeah, <laughs> I want to see it. This is uh... yeah, this one. This one seems sick. I, I I'm excited. I I want a good Vivian card. Yeah, I think uh, I was a bit surprised. I don't know if you've called up with the story at all. I don't know if mm-hmm. you're interested in the story. Uh, I just didn't, don't have time to read it, but I'm interested in the story. But I, I, I don't the, care about spoilers. Uh, the the Capenna ones so far. Mm-hmm. I haven't read the side stories. Uh, mm-hmm. I've only read the main one. That one's worth reading, I think. Yeah, uh, I think the, the world building is really good, and just the writing is really good. I oh, sometimes nice. had in, um, especially uh, some games I'm playing, and for example, I think Lost Ark. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's originally, I think, a Korean game. Mm-hmm. And not to shit on the people who translate it, but you can see that in the writing sometimes. You're like, people don't talk like that. Mm. right like these are just sentences people nobody use you know like the dialogue is really cool and like xander is just like really badass and like yeah. they brought elspeth way and uh and I'll, I'll give you the spoilers then so people haven't seen it because I talked about this on the cast for this week but i didn't want to give away the spoilers yeah. uh i guess i will do it with this one spoilers people spoilers at one point elspeth is being chased by elspeth's in the story and she mm-hmm. shows up on um on Capenna to find out the history because uh, Capenna has a history with Phyrexians mm-hmm. and she's like she is basically sent by uh, Ajani and Karn to mm-hmm. be like hey you should probably like figure out how these guys had Phyrexians on their plane and they didn't die because that's mm-hmm. quite a feat um, and she gets chased by some thugs and she's yeah. up in a corner and she just pulls sort of like the most like action movie move ever where she just finds this random like pipe and she just beats the shit out of him <laughs> and I just like yeah, that just and the way it was written, you could just like really visualize what was going on. It was so cool. Like the world building's great, the story is great. I was hesitant to Capenna because I was like, what is this? You know, mm. they, they the the selling point was magic, magic gangster movie. Mm. And my reaction was like, I know you're trying to use this as a selling point, but oh fuck no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not interested in this at all. But now I am. Cool story. Oh yeah, it sounds really fun. I'm honestly excited because I've looking at the, all the outfits. I think they're really fun. Uh, the yeah, only characters wearing. Yeah, they've they've done a really good job on like giving this like sort of. It's got a really like weird vibe to it, but that's what mm-hmm. I like. Yeah, I was you... one. I was afraid it was going to be too boring. Oh yeah, that's what I thought at first, but I don't know. Like the vibe some of them are giving me. It's kind of giving me a a, a funner version of. Uh, uh, Innistrad a little bit, kind of. Yeah, I, I, I see what you mean. It's like Innistrad is very horror-y, and this is sort mm-hmm. of like sort this of feels like, cool. This is this is almost like badass. Yeah, this is badass characters. Oh yeah, um, I'll have to. Have you seen the pictures of some of the outfits of the just the planeswalkers? Uh, I've seen Elspeth in a in like that sort of like cool dress, mm-hmm. and Vivian in sort of like that police outfit. 
Yeah, with the little hat, and then there's Obnixilis in his like fancy suit and stuff. It, oh it's yeah, very that, fun. that one was all, that one was always a bit much. I was like, like this is a bit extra. And then Brad messaged me back. It's like, isn't Obnixilis always extra? And I'm like, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's very true. And supposedly he's in the Grixis colors, so maybe another Grixis planeswalker. I mean, maybe. Uh, maybe. We obviously got Xander the the card, mm-hmm. and that one's terrible. Uh, oh yeah, we but it is a probably... vampire, so people are having fever dreams of sorting this in on turn two, uh, three. Yeah, um, for people who don't know what uh, we're talking about, the card is Zan- Lord Xander, the Collector. He has four Grixis colors, like so Grixis. Uh, th- it's yeah, they know what I'm talking about. Uh, it's a six-six legendary creature, vampire, demon, noble. When Lord Xander, the Collector, enters the battlefield, target opponent discards half the cards in their hand, rounded down. So if they have one card in their hand, they don't discard anything. Uh, when Lord Xander attacks, defending player mills half their library, rounded down. Uh, when Lord Xander dies, target opponent sacrifices half the non-land permanents they control, rounded down. The rounded so, down really gets me here. Yeah. Like, I think even if you cheat this in with Sorin's not good. Mm-hmm. Like, there are better vampires to cheat to. Like, Champion of uh, of Dusk is, like, infinitely better. Oh, yeah. Because, if, you know, if you double your hand size... Yeah, the conventional wisdom is divination is better than mind rot mm-hmm. because it's better yeah. to be working on your plan than to be working against your opponents. In that, mm-hmm. so why would I occasionally have my opponent discard one or two cards when I could just draw four? Mm-hmm. That's very true. But yeah, I think that for what they are, they're really cool. The 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 demon lords, like Jitmir, Nexus of Revels, is one in Anaya. And he's a 5-4 uh, legendary creature cat demon. Uh, creatures you control get plus one, plus one, have vigilance as long as you control three or more creatures and get, get more abilities. I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's it's a mouthful. Yeah, uh, when it's six, you've got trample. When it's nine, you've got double strike. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's there's a lot of text on that card. Oh, and the plus one, plus oh also stacks, I believe. Oh, yeah. it's it, Eventually, they get plus three, plus three if you have nine creatures. So that's plus, like never they, they have plus three plus oh trample vigilance double strike i think you're swinging for lethal at that point yeah i, I mean i'm not going to say that that's probably not going to ever happen in a 60 card form uh 60 card game of magic but that's a commander only card like <laughs> yeah I mean, maybe People's... it could see play in i don't normal, know naya, naya cats maybe <laughs> i mean this is also just in the trap of being a naya card like the only mm. reason naya now is played is because Winoda's a messed up card. If they ban Winoda, there's not going to be a Naya mid range deck left. Mm-hmm. Like that's just going to be out. Like, oh, Naya's yeah. historically such a bad color combination. Mm-hmm. Just uh, even mm-hmm. tokens. Like what I'm going to do? Like, oh, everybody get out your um, March of the Multitudes. We're doing Naya <laughs> tokens now. <laughs> I guess <laughs> something. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think that this set is going to be really fun because there's just a lot of really fun cards like uh in some of the spoilers they're talking about they're only bringing back like one of mechanics which i think is a really cool idea like yeah i think they only brought cycling so i guess like probably the thing i'm most excited about is the finishing of the triomes oh yeah that's really exciting i don't think cycling is going to be part of the set oh no it's just a one of mechanics yeah but we are getting the triome which i think is like the sets the best precedent ever for Mm -hmm. finishing cycles and reprints oh yeah because it's great it's so often that we were going to wait for a cycle to be finished, and the reason was like, yeah, but we never got to reuse the mechanic mm-hmm. that we relied on. Oh, and yeah. cycling was the main one, right? We had the cycling lands in uh, Amonkhet already, mm-hmm. which are only in, I believe, ally colors. Yeah. They've never been done in enemy colors. 
Mm-mm. And then we had the triomes in Ikoria, and they were never done in the shards because, well, <laughs> you know, first of all, we need a shard set, which is rare. Mm. And then yeah. we need a cycling set, which is less rare, but still kind of rare. So mm-hmm. a shard set with cycling was super unlikely. So I'm so happy that they took the first opportunity when we had a shard set to be like, yeah, cycling's just in for these. Yeah, that's great. My I only think if problem- they hadn't done it now, we'd have had to wait five years for oh, the yeah. to be finished. For sure. Yeah, it would have taken forever. My only real problem with them is that they don't have a, a unifying name like the Triumphs. Like, just make them all towers or something. Like, why do they all have Xander's Lounge, uh, Zatora's Prowling Ground, the headquarters? Like, make them all a tower headquarters or something. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I hate, I hate the aesthetic on them anyway. Yeah, like especially Xander's Lounge. That, that uh-huh. that's just a room. <laughs> like. <laughs> Like the triomes are like these sort of like landscapes and the uh, Grixis land from Shards of Alara is like the crumbling necropolis, which is this super mm-hmm. like dark, like abandoned castle. And this is just a room with chairs. I, I love how they, but they're, they have the type too. So it's like Island Swamp Mountain. It's like, yes, this room with chairs is also an island. Yes, and they, it's a swamp. And a they're mountain. already bad at this frequently. <laughs> like Ginger Cottage is a is a forest, and it's like if you chop down a forest and build a house, that is almost the opposite of a forest. <laughs> <laughs> like it's made out of wood. Does that classify as a forest? Is a boat a forest? <laughs> right? So no, that that's an island because it's in the water. That's how it works. And yeah. then it's also going to be like the I mean, most yes. expensive basic land of them all because. <laughs> Every time there's a boat in a basic land, it's expensive. I don't know. Oh, the water deep one's really cool from AFR. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'm not a big fan of them aesthetically. Mm-hmm. But you know, I'll either just completely try and like mentally block that, or I'll just mm-hmm. get an altar sleeve for it. Whatever. Um, yeah. Gameplay wise, this is this is huge mm-hmm. because it. What I hate in Pioneer, like well, my one gripe against Pioneer is that the mana is super uneven. Mm-hmm. Because enemy colors have fast lands and pain lands. Mm-hmm. So it's really easy to build enemy color mana bases. Uh, if oh, you yeah. want to play Golgari Elves, basically every land in your deck taps for either color. Mm-hmm. So splashing a color in that is like, is like a joke. Yeah, But playing allied color aggro is super hard yeah and that's oh, the same sure. with ikoria playing jeskai control mana base wise was so much easier than playing grixis control mm-hmm. and that's just really frustrating i remember we had the uh so we have a pioneer league on playway mm-hmm. and before the top eight i qualified for the top eight and i was building i was changing my deck because that was like open deck list that was like super final right if you feel like you messed up you were stuck for the rest of the top eight Mm-hmm. So I think I spent like an hour and a half trying to decide between my two cycle lands, should it be two mm-hmm. canyons, two fetid pools, or one of each. Mm-hmm. That answer would have been way easier if I had triomes, because it would oh, be yeah. both triomes, right? Mm-hmm. So the fact that you can finish this now, and this opens you up to play, like, we're talking just about how you want to play to your strengths in a deck. Like, mm-hmm. now that I am in this color, what should I play? Well, mm-hmm. if you want to play Counterflux as a counterspell in your Demir deck, that requires a really, like, sizable dip. 
Because oh, yeah. the moment you have a swamp in play, you're not casting this until turn four because the cost is blue, blue, red. Mm-hmm. This now means that once you commit to Grixis, you can get more from that splash like easier. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Like Maestro Charm. Mm-hmm. That one. <laughs> that one's insane. Yeah, Maestro Wait, Charm's okay. really good. Yeah, you want to read it for the folks at home? Sure. Uh, Maestro's Charm is um, blue black and red for an instant and it says choose one look at the top five cards of your library put one of those cards into your hand and the rest into your graveyard the second one is each opponent loses three life and you gain three life and the third one is it deals five damage to target creature or planeswalker oh that's so so much value the enormous selling point to this is that the top mode puts what's left in your graveyard Mm. This card by itself puts five cards in your graveyard towards the six you have to delve for a dig through time. Oh, yeah. Um, it immediately fuels escaping a um, cling to dust, for example. So there's a lot mm. of value to be gained here. And if and, you're not... Oh, yeah. You go. I was going to say, and if you're not just in Grixis control, you can also do this and it immediately fuels a Croxa if you yeah. have one of those already in the yard. So that's yeah, pretty absolutely. Spicy. Um, that could even be like a, like a different take on the deck in the sense mm-hmm. that Grixis is definitely played as a mid-range deck too. Mm-hmm. And this type of flexibility is something that a mid-range deck can be really happy about. Because mm-hmm. the other, the second mode is a little medium. Mm-hmm. Um, draining so like lightning helixing your opponent is like not something you're going to be doing very often. But it, it's, a, yeah. it's, a, it's a bonus, right? Especially because the three life gain, you cast this and then it fuels a um, cling to dust. Mm-hmm. Which is also could also gain you three life, yep. but that is like really slow. Mm-hmm. You're gonna have to spend this for three and that one. So against burn, I can totally see myself like draining my opponent for three, like on an end step, and I have nothing to do. Yeah. And then the third mode is kind of hero's downfall. It's a little worse, but yeah. in a deck like um, Grixis, mm-hmm. funnily enough. A card that is blue, black, red is sometimes easier to cast than a card that is colorless black, black. <laughs> so depending on wow. how your mana base works out, this mm-hmm. card could be easier to cast than Heroes Downfall. Mm-hmm. Especially so, with the new uh, Triomes. Yeah, especially. The Triomes made that, but before the Triomes, that probably wouldn't be the case. Mm-hmm. But with the Triomes, that can definitely work. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I think this card's super cool. Oh, yeah. Seems... Um, do we okay, have any other charms? Yeah. Oh, you uh, you got any uh, last thoughts on the card? Uh, no. I just really think it's a great value piece, and it could really bring Grixis to the forefront of the format. I yeah. honestly, uh, Obscura Charm, I don't think is very good. I've heard some people say it's good in Esper Greasefang, but I don't know. I'm not a huge fan of it. So uh, the rest of the cards, I'm kind of met on. So I, I don't, uh, we don't have to talk about them if you don't want to. Yeah, we'll. Uh, you know, it's not really. Uh... You know, don't have to go over all the spoilers. Yeah, uh, I think I, the Obscura Charm, just my verdict is, I think it's pretty good in Esper Grease Fang. Mm-hmm. I just have always been skeptical of Esper Grease Fang as a deck. Mm-hmm. I, like, I think, I think that deck is overrated. But in Esper Grease Fang, mm-hmm. this is a good card. Yeah. So I, if you're, hey, we're talking here, right? Off meta, if you just really like your Esper Grease Fang deck, mm-hmm. then this is like... This card is good enough. It's like, yeah, this is like, you know, if I'd be doing some weird Orsof Grease Fang malarkey, um, like, yeah, this is a, this is a draw to being that. 
three mm -hmm. color deck. Um, so this is always a, a cool card to be on the lookout for. Oh, yeah, it definitely seems cool. I, I just don't like it because I think it's a little bit too conditional for most other decks other than Esper Grease Fang, just because yeah. like, if it could hit Planeswalkers, I'd be down for it, like countering a Planeswalker. But like just instant sorceries, uh, you're not going to kill very much. Like You're going to get like a Phoenix player and you're going to counter their treasure cruise or whatever and it's gonna feel great but like if you're going against like any other deck like if they play a planeswalker like this just has no way to deal with it like well i guess with mana value three or less they can destroy one but that's not many yeah right in pioneer especially because like all the good planeswalkers are at four yeah if three mana teferi was still legal esper control would now suddenly be maybe the best deck mm -hmm. just yeah, because oh, of sure. this card alone but because we don't oh, sure. have three fairy, the card's medium. Mm -hmm. Eliminate isn't a very good removal spell. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's good, just not in this meta. Like, there's yeah, too much, like, yeah. annoying, like, four and five mana stuff you want to be hitting mm -hmm. still. Yeah, if you can't kill a, a five fairy with your Planeswalker removal, it's not worth it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but, um, yeah, I think that that kind of covers all I want to talk about, because th that, that, that was a very informative, uh, hour and 20 minutes we talked about like i learned a lot <laughs> i'm glad i had you on this is really awesome yeah good yeah it's, it's always like i felt like some of the parts could be like a little rambly and i think a, a big part is like i've i've tried to cover some steps mm -hmm. to make a a brew but i do think um like the important thing is is that this isn't like a cheat code to brewing a good deck in 30 minutes Right, because this process is very timely, but I think if you build a deck like this, it just takes a lot of passion, and then you're willing to put that time in. And I hope that people who listen to this take away that they now have sort of like a a roadmap, and be like, a right, study guide of sorts. Yeah, yeah, like it's it's better than just telling people, oh yeah, Mac does cool, go and build a deck. And then if you're like, how? Then this is the how, mm -hmm. hopefully. Yeah, I, I think that that's a great way to look at this and. Thank you for coming on, man. It means a lot to me. I this I, I love talking with people who are big into Pioneer, like people that th because this format's so great. It's so fun having people talk about their favorite format and just I don't know. It, th this is why I do it. It's just awesome. Yeah, I really like the uh, so that's why I really wanted to be on this cast because I know you know Brad had been on and uh, I listened mm -hmm. to that episode. I, I thought it was a really good episode. I enjoyed it a lot. Thanks. And I like your, because when you contacted me, your premise was kind of like, yeah, I just want to talk with people that are very passionate about Pioneer. Mm -hmm. And I think almost like for Pioneer, that's just such a, such a good idea for a podcast because even we've obviously, the, the format's been talked shit on like quite a bit mm -hmm. right, uh, in the past years. So oh, yeah. we've been left with like almost every content creator for Pioneer that I talk to and I interact with is like super passionate about mm -hmm. the format because they were playing it when people thought it was shit because mm -hmm. they just they just always thought it was good and they've always yeah. had that passion for the format. So it's yeah, just you know, flick the mic on and just chat away. You know, I know that, that I think that people that have passion about the format they generally tend to want to just talk about it. Like I've noticed. That just the uh, I don't even know. It's just really fun to talk to people about it because it's fun to get passionate about something with other people that are passionate. Is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, like nerding out is just fun, right? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Be like, you like Magda? I love Magda. It's fun. Holy shit, Magda's such a cool deck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
please give us good dwarves in uh, New Capenna, uh, Wizards of the Coast. Wizards of the Coast. I, I don't oh, think man. Will, but... like if there's just like I I was so almost disappointed when I played with that deck because I'm like this is so close. I know. Like it's so it is actually really close. Yeah, I've seen um, some of the starts they can get. It's like insane. Yeah, and Mac does just whoop. Mm. Holy shit, when that card's in play. So yeah. Anyway, really, uh, before we go into the deep end on dwarf tribal more. Um, <laughs> okay, yeah, I, I question. Really dwarf, be on, yeah. dwarf tribal, are you playing uh, that new Kiki Jiki Reflections? Because it makes treasures. And oh, like, copy doors. That is potentially a really good card in, in an, it's it's a little awkward because there's not a yeah. lot of good dwarves they want to be copying and Macta's legendary yeah that's true like that but it's just, that's just like generally a good stuff card mm-hmm. so that can very much fall into that like backup category yeah just there is there is value in just playing the good cards you know your deck yeah. is like 24 lands and then just like 20 good cards and then 60 60 fun spice that makes mm-hmm. something cool Oh, for sure. I kind of want to build Zorfs now. <laughs> I might have to do that. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I think that kind of takes us towards the end of the episode. And uh, did you have anything else you want to add? No. Um, so- I, I Again, I just really enjoy being on. Um, oh, thanks. You know, I am, um, to do a the little plug, mm-hmm. um, I am can be found on Twitter with at Disciple of Bolas. I also mm-hmm. occasionally write for the Playing Pioneer website. Yep. Uh, I am from the Pioneer Perspective podcast that you can, you know, find on most platforms. You can find Shock Seas too, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, which I we both use Anchor, ahead. so yeah, exactly. Uh, who was on before? Mm-hmm. Um, and if you have cool decks, now I'm I'm heading into my bachelor thesis, so I'm gonna be a pretty busy man soon. Mm-hmm. But if you have a cool brew, I love brews. Like, I don't know if you like that SpongeBob meme where he's like going over and he's like screaming at someone. It's like, I fucking love, like, I love brews. If you have a cool idea for a brew or you see like a two card combo of cards, you're like, holy shit, this is awesome. Throw it on Twitter, tag me. Mm -hmm. I love to see it. So throw me your brews. Like, subscribe to Patreon. Yeah, cool, but brews, please. (laughs) (laughs) I might have to start sharing some brews with you. I have a few that are fun, but, um, so if you want to find me anywhere, uh, I'm usually on, uh, if you find this podcast on Reddit, I'm, you can find me at Untitled Pioneer Podcast at, on Reddit. Uh, and if you want to find me on Discord, I am Bridger, also a completed elk, but it's usually just also an elk. I changed it for spoiler season. But, and I don't do Twitter just because I don't like it because everybody's so mean there. But other than Fair. that, that's where you find <laughs> uh you can find me there and uh that should be it for me so uh thanks for listening uh goodbye everybody uh yeah goodbye I'm, everyone and thanks for tuning um, in yeah um uh now my outro uh go do something which i still haven't changed so that's it bye <laughs> <laughs>